Hello and welcome to Running Inside Out Podcast, where we talk about the races we ran in, the races we're not in, and getting outside to see what's going on inside the Rochester running scene. In this episode, I talk with the ever-enigmatic, well, enigmatic uh, isn't quite right, um, cryptic, hmm, interesting, Analytical. Analytical might be closer, uh, but still not quite right. Okay. Um, well, never mind with the uh, subjective adjectives. Uh, let's get right to the objective facts. In this episode, I get a chance to chat with Mike Mertzak. Mike considers himself a relative newbie to the ultra scene, but has made quite a splash with eyebrow-raising finishes at races like Mind the Ducks, uh, Finger Lakes 50, and most noticeably, a 14th overall placing at the inaugural Twisted Branch 100K last year. We uh, we cover a lot of ground from 2014 all the way into 2016. Uh, along the way, we analyze a number of Mike's 2015 races. And by analyze, I mean I talk about how absurdly well he did and he tries to justify his performance in some rational way. And I follow up with a lot of, oh, well, okay, have it your way, dude. Um, you listeners will have to come to your own conclusions. And with that, let's get into the trails, training, food, friends, and yes, even feelings of Rochester runners. <laughs> What makes you run, Mike? What do you What do you get out of running? Does that sound sound all right? That uh, last question, I might. Uh, yeah, it, it'll be an interesting conversation because I I often have no idea uh, <laughs> what's really down deep there, but maybe we can dig something out. Okay. Well, I mean that's interesting. So so you ran you ran two thousand miles last year, and you're not. You're not quite sure to uh, to what end. Yeah, I think it's uh, you know that thing where <clears throat> I feel like the more experience I have, in it, not just running but in life, the the less I'm sure about. You know, the the less uh, the um, you know the the, uh, the more knowledge you gain or the more experience. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe you feel you have some wisdom, but you also feel that you're uh, you know less likely to. Um, feel like you you know everything and that you have uh the answer to everything so um you know the more the more i run the more i learn that i have a lot more to learn and the more that uh um i feel like could be done and and the more i i wonder you know like what's what am i looking for so it's kind of a a journey and and still kind of searching for that which is uh, enjoyable. I, I yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like that. Um, the, the wise man is the one that's pretty sure he doesn't know anything that, that sort of thing. Yeah. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. And, um, but so maybe that's the, um, maybe that's sort of the end state, but is there, is there something in, in the moment, like, I mean, I know we go out and we talk about like just listening to the woods and just kind of, you know, relaxing a little bit, or maybe, 
not thinking, even though I know, I know you, you and I might be two of the more <laughs> analytical runners as we run, but is there something like, you know, is there, is there kind of a daily satisfaction that, you know, may ultimately contribute to the end game? Oh, certainly. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> there's, uh, you know, an, the, the everyday satisfaction of just being out there and just, just moving and, you know, getting the, the cares of the day off your chest and, and, and kind of living in the moment, um, which can be, uh, you know, that, that's my way to practice that skill because it can be hard to do as a, you know, as a, a programmer and analytical type of person to, to live in the moment and not overthink. So yeah, certainly, uh, for every day, um, that's, that's probably the, the primary motivation to just go out and run, uh, you know, for something beyond just staying fit. Yeah. I, I think um, a lot of times when I'm running, I, you know, I know I'm thinking a lot about what I'm doing and, and I think I've mentioned this before, but it feels like more natural input. You know, it feels like I'm, I'm processing roots and rocks and trees and the breeze and ups and downs. And those, those feel a lot those feel easier to process, even though, you know, it's multitudes of input. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the best type of run in my, in, in my opinion is the type of run where you, you don't really have to consciously think anymore about it. You're, you're just kind of flowing and, and you're just kind of observing what your body is capable of doing. And you know, it doesn't matter how, what level of, of a runner you are, you know, if you can get out there and move, then, you know, that right there is a pretty cool thing. Um, you know, it always amazes me just what the human body is capable of. And, and, uh, you know, I think trails, trail running, especially, which is, you know, my main, um, you know, my main specialty and the main thing I like is, I think highlights that even more just because you've got the, you know, the technical surface or the, the whatever. Um, and it's just really fun to, uh, to have a good day on a, on a trail or, or any run at all and, and just kind of see, you know, just see that process work and, and just kind of let it unfold. Yeah. And, and I wonder, you know, if that, even if that comes for a few minutes at a time, you know, even if it's just like, it's not the start of your run because you're working out the cracks and the creeks and the groans and you're, you're thinking about, you know, how much you're going to run or how far, but then you might settle in and you, you get that point sort of in the middle that, that feels really good. And then you're thinking, Oh, I'm almost done. And even if it's that one little piece, it, you still think of the whole run as that way. Oh, that was a great run because of this part or this piece. Yep. That's, I couldn't say it better. That's, that's exactly right. And okay, well, I'll, I'll keep, um, I'll, I'll keep seeing if I could turn these phrases rather well. (laughs) Um, so one of the things we talked about was we, we were going to talk a little bit uh, sort of about, you know, where, where you, um, what you get out of that running and what sort of makes you tick. And then we said, we're going to, you know, this is the new year and um, it's uh, time for reflection and looking back at 2015 and looking ahead at 2016, I guess. And um, we had mentioned you had a, a pretty, uh, let's call it productive 2015. I guess, I guess, you know, as far as um, the analytical mindset goes, we'll, I'll start with productive and we'll see what other words we, we come up with. <laughs> but um, 
How did how did you, if you can recall, did did you go into 2015 with specific goals? Yes, uh, I was one of the many people who, you know, right around the turn of the new year, was uh, looking at Twisted Ranch as the big goal race, and and that kind of shaped the whole year. Um, to, to back up a bit, I mean, the, the 2014 was the first year I tried a marathon, uh, Sagahunda, and the first time I tried a 50k Menden Trail Run, and before that, I had, you know, for a couple of years before that, I had done, you know, half marathons and, and various other, the shorter trail races in the area and was, you know, kind of dabbling and was never really serious about training. Um, in 2014, I, I joined the, the Saganda training group and that was my first real taste of, you know, some sort of structured training and uh, worked out pretty well. Uh, Saganda was a, I still don't, in hindsight, I don't think I really knew what I was doing, but uh, got through the race and felt pretty good about it. But 2015, my original goal was a 50-mile race, Virgil. And then when Tristan Ranch, when I learned about that, I just couldn't pass it up. It just spoke to me one way or the other. Um, it just felt like the right thing to do. So I, I kind of kicked up my goals a notch and chose Twisted Ranch as the big goal and picked Finger Lakes 50s, 50-mile uh, race um, in July as kind of one of the training races to work up to that and Ontario Summit Marathon, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, ended up just doing a whole bunch of races this year. Um, half of them just for the fun of it, but but half also as kind of a concerted effort to ramp up to Twisted Branch. Yeah, and so I, I think the first, um, you know, I, I was one of those Twisted Branch people as, as, you know, anybody who's listened to one minute of this podcast has heard. Um, and, and sort of that was my thing as well was I picked, I picked Sega Honda, which would be my second run of Sega Honda. So your, that turns out your first Sega Honda was, was my first Sega Honda 2014. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I didn't know it, but basically you spent all of 2014 beating me pretty much in every race that I ran. Um, uh, unawares, of course, we, we we did not know each other at that time, but it turns out you ran, what, a, a 5.12 at Sega Honda? 5.11? Uh, yep. Yeah, 5.12. Yeah. yeah, it's not, I haven't, I haven't looked at all. I mean, <laughs> not in six months I haven't looked. Um, and I ran, I ran um, just over six hours, but... Um, that was my first trail marathon as well. So, um, but I did not do Menden 50K. I did um, New York City Marathon, which was a couple of weeks before that. Um, so I think when we sort of first met each other around muddy sneaker time, when you say that, sort of maybe a little uh, bit before that. Yeah, in April, I, I did that thing on my birthday where I invited a whole bunch of people to run, and we, you, you were interested in running, but we like crossed wires, and I never actually found you that day. Like I was just yeah. running all over the woods chasing you down, but that was early April, and then Muddy Sneak was mid-April. So, actually, yeah, I remember that. That was um, that was right. Uh, there was something else was happening that day too. I think, um, but yeah, I was there, and and we looked at the Strava afterwards, and yeah, we were kind of crossing paths in uh, on the Menden 10K loop. So that's right. Um, and then Muddy Sneaker was like sort of the um, the first foray um, into us kind of 
being aware of each other at races, I think. And that was, that was a pretty excellent day as far as, uh, as far as my result is concerned. I know you oh, kind yeah. of, I know you, um, you, you secretly put that one in your back pocket afterwards. How would, how did that money sneaker go for you? Oh yeah. Speaking of aware of each other, I was very aware of you at the end of that when you blew by me and I was, you know, gasping and, and totally, you know, almost giving up at the top of that last hill. But, uh, to, to overall though, um, yeah, that was, that was a good race. That was like, I mean, this year has been kind of learning how to, to work hard in races, I guess. Um, and, and kind of figuring out, you know, where that edge is of, of, you know, how much effort to put into a race and, and, and muddy sneaker for the most part was a pretty good race, um, for that, uh, on Strava, you can do the, the great adjusted pace and it looks pretty much flat, which means theoretically I was kind of putting in the same amount of effort on the uphills and downhills for the whole race. But mentally though, at the end of that, that last climb, um, you know, I was still kind of, a uh, you know, had a lot to learn there and, um, and I was, uh, you know, stopping, and just standing there with about half a mile to go and, and you just ran by me and uh, I don't remember what exactly you said, but, um, and, uh, you know, you were trying to encourage me to keep going and, and yeah, you, you had a great finish. You finished a couple of minutes ahead of me and then I came in behind you, um, a couple of places behind you and, uh, it was a, a sub two hour finish, which was more or less, I didn't have a specific goal, but that was, I was happy with that. So, um, it was a great lesson and uh, a, a fun race. Yeah, and I think um, I I did not have a sub two hour goal. I actually had um, the night the night before. I kind of shared with some people. I'm like, yeah, I think I think two fifteen is probably probably a good goal for me. And I was it was roundly rejected. It was not accepted by anyone I was talking to. They said two fifteen right out. You're done. Two hours. That's, you know, nothing else acceptable. And yeah, as I ran by you, I I was thinking, I'm like, because when we first started, we ran up that hill and um, I saw you um, at the top of the hill and you sort of came past me and then went down into the woods. And as soon as we tucked into the woods, I didn't see you again. And I'm like, Mike's gone. I'll never, I'll never see him until the finish line. And when I saw you on that final hill, I was like, Oh, uh, I I caught him. I'm not sure what happened. I thought something had gone horribly wrong with you. So I was like, "Are you okay, Mike?" And you're like, "Yeah." And I'm like, "Well, come on then." Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> and there was there was no come on then in you, but but then I recall um, a race later where where you entered on your Strava, you entered um, Revenge for Chris beating me at Muddy Sneaker. Which which race was that? Oh, that was probably uh, Crooked Creek. That I, wasn't I finished, in fact. Uh, I was second. You were third. So, yes, yeah. and and third by a long shot. In fact, actually, well, I was second by a long shot. So, <laughs> so okay. yeah, I, I you know when that I mean we were saying when that kid took off, we we're like, oh wow, look at him go. I wonder if he's gonna blow up, <laughs> and uh, he he didn't. I mean, even even Steve Chafee was like, wow this is a hard course. Does he know that? You know? <laughs> yeah, that was, I mean, uh, I guess that was an impressive performance. I didn't really see any of it, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was going, you know, 
I think we were both going pretty hard on that, and it's a technical course. Uh, it's there's nothing flat; it's all up or all down. So you got to know what you're doing to um, to just take off like that. And and uh, you know, he was consistently way ahead of us the whole time. So I mean, there's some big like open farm field area, and it is technical and in the woods and up and down. But there's some big open farm fields too, where you can see people that are a ways ahead of you, and I still never saw them. So. Yeah. And I was I was able to see you sort of as I came into the farm field area. You would be just finishing up the farm field area, and you were consistently like a quarter of a mile ahead of me. And I just I could never close that gap. And I was I kept thinking like I, I we have more of these farm fields. I'm going to lose it. We need we need some other different terrain. And it turns out we had different terrain, and I still didn't catch you. I, I think what I liked about that is. Um, Doreen and Michelle Fanton, the the same group, uh, girls that run um, Damn Good, it was a complete surprise to everyone. You know, there was, because it's all private land, it was, you know, show up on race day and you get what you get. And I had never done a race like that um, where I'm running hard and I have no idea what's coming up next. How about you? Yeah, that was that was great. That was great about it. And it was the first year for that race too. So you had no, you know, you couldn't, you know, see what people did the previous years, but, um, and that was a lot of fun, but actually zero SPF last year, I chose to go into the race with no knowledge. I had never actually been on the Crescent Trail before. Um, like last year was kind of, I mean, well, 2014 was kind of about discovering all those other great trails, uh, outside of Menden Ponds. So I'd never been on the Crescent Trail before. I chose not to learn anything about the you know race reports or anything just to just for the fun of going into it blind and it kicked my butt, you know, the, the last six miles were just this, you know, well, not a death march, but it, it kind of felt like it. And, uh, but it was a lot of fun too. Um, you know, it, it blew up a little bit on that just, and just because I, I totally did not expect that there was a trail that challenging in the Rochester area. Cause I hadn't seen it before. Right. And in uh, the suburbs, in the suburbs, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And people's backyards. But, so, yeah. uh, it's fun to do that sometimes, you know, for, for really big goal races. I, I don't like to do that. I'd rather preview it and have some knowledge if it's possible. Uh, but for fun races or, or, or just things that aren't the, the, the big goal for the year, it's, it can be fun to do that from time to time. Yeah. And it, and it was in a way sort of a good, you know, a good training predictor, like, uh, find, as you mentioned earlier, finding that edge, like there were times in that in that crooked creek where I'm I was I was gassed. I mean I was I was really at I get to the top of one of those long, you know, climbs with you know, and my feet were just like, Hey, go ahead and take a break for a second. And I was like, No, Mike's right up there a quarter mile and Steve is a quarter mile back here and I could actually finish third in a race. So I need to I need to get going. And uh, I, but the unknown was, it was pretty amazing to just try to just keep that pace. And I, I really think that I could, I could benefit from doing more of that, quite honestly, because I feel like I've always, and, and not found the edge, but I've always been like, oh, I'll just stay on this side of the edge because I, you know, I say, I wonder if I need to DNF a race to really learn where that line is. And, you know, there's there's something in between there between like running really hard at Crooked Creek and finishing, playing it safe and and completely exploding and not finishing a race and 
I guess that's maybe that's what you mean more about like last year being discovering how to race. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I think, I think you're right that there's value in, in, in those types of experiences and, um, yeah, things like Crooked Creek where you don't know what's coming up, you know, you just have to, you just have to keep working. There's not really any choice and, um, you just take what you're given. Uh, there's nothing to complain about because you don't really know, you know, if it's going to be easy for the rest of the race or if it's going to keep being hard. So you just, you just keep going and um and 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 yeah the 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 dnfing topic and and maybe this is if we want to stay chronological this could be getting ahead of ourselves but uh i finally sort of experienced that sort of thing later last year um in the fall when i tried to do an fkt and, and just totally blew up and that was one of the most humbling and valuable experiences i could have had and it helped to really calibrate, you know, like how to manage a race and how to manage a run. Yeah. Where, where was that at? On the Crescent trail. I tried to do it end to end to end. So 36 miles, 18 miles, one way, 18 miles back. And I wanted to set a, you know, quote unquote, fastest known time. Um, uh, uh, you know, as far as anyone knows, as far as Strava knows, as far as we know among the people, our circle of people. And, Wouldn't uh, it- wouldn't that actually be in this case? Wouldn't it be a um, a first known time? Because I don't know anybody that's done thirty six. Um, yeah, uh, Dan Ostrander and and Kendra Chamberlain uh, did ran it together just as a oh, training they run did. for fun. They yeah. did do all thirty six. That okay? Yep. Yeah, and right. and that's I actually I saw that on Strava last year, like in the middle of the year, and and that kind of piqued my interest of you know what what if someone tried to you know to to really go for it, and so so it was basically my goal to beat them. Because that's that's kind of, you know, their training run is, um, you know, they're they're at that level where it's uh, it would be an accomplishment to beat their, uh, you know, anything they can do, um, even if it's just a, a fun run for them. So that was my goal, and um, I don't know if we want to get into that yet or not. But yeah, sure. Why yeah. not? I mean, here sure. we are, right? Yeah. I know they were they were pretty much at their peak for twisted branch training because I ran, I think 20 with them that day or 18, maybe I did, but I did, I know I did a bunch with them and then we had a huge group and they sort of kept going after we all finished. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they were, they weren't, they weren't um, slacking on that run at all. Yeah, so this was in mid-October, so I had had plenty of time to recover from Twisted Branch and get over, you know, not really injuries, but just get over, you know, whatever uh, insults that race had done to my body. And um, so I was I was relatively fresh. I was kind of ramping up training, you know, eventually working toward Men and Trail Run. And, uh, you know, some people actually, uh, in hindsight, said that um, to do that the day after – volunteering at all day long at uh, uh, the Ready Set Glow race maybe was you know, kind of brave, but um, I felt good that morning. It was a great weather day. Uh, so my goal was somewhere around like six and a half hours for that 36 miles. And um, uh, I started out at uh, kind of a, a good, so the Crescent Trail is has kind of two different personalities. The, the northern half of it is pretty flat trails. Um, a lot of open stuff, uh, 
and um, very runnable except for the parts that get wet. And well, then you just run through a stream bed, but it's it's you know very runnable and and a, a relatively easy trail. And then the the other nine miles, the, the southern half of it, is a lot tougher. You know that's where the zero SPF course is, and um, it's got some of the biggest climbs. Um, some of the, to my knowledge, if not the biggest single climb in the county, maybe the second biggest single climb. So it's it's tough. So it's. Uh, and I started at the northern end, so it was flat and then hilly and then turn around hilly and then flat. So strategizing for that was interesting. So I, I kind of started at what felt like a pretty good fresh clip, um, uh, tried to bank a little bit of time without going crazy, and it felt good. And then toward the end of that first half, I was getting pretty tired and um, getting quite tired. And uh, I turned around and pretty much right after the halfway point, would, and I was still right on time at that point, but I had to basically perform as well in the second half as the first half. And things just kind of went south. I think it was probably like uh, mainly things like hydration were, were the, uh, were the uh, problem that day. Um, I probably was under hydrating, which is kind of a, a perennial uh, challenge for me that, that often um, becomes at least a, a small issue in races, if not a big one. But I, I think it was under hydrating, and I was just, it was like a, a battle just to get from one hill to the next or one mile to the next. So um, around mile 27, there was, uh, you know, eight or nine miles to go, and I decided to. Um, I was basically out of water, and uh, it was pretty warm now, and so I decided to throw on the towel and kind of shuffle back to the car uh, via roads, and it turned into like a 50K instead of 36 miles. And like the slowest splits of that run were on flat roads at the end, so that kind of shows the, you know, the degree to which I blew up. And, you know, it was like, you know, I had considerably more mental toughness then than I had at Muddy Sneaker, you know, to compare toward the beginning of the year, you know, the where I'd progressed mentally. But um, this was clearly a case of I was just physically done in and, you know, this is what can happen in a race that I hadn't really fully experienced before. So that was the sort of, you know, lesson to learn that was a really good experience, especially since it wasn't really a, a race I had paid for. It was just a personal attempt at a FKT. Right, and you and so in that regard, you didn't have things like an aid station, and you didn't have things like somebody else of your um, similar abilities to to gauge off of. You were just running hard uh, based on your knowledge of of what you've run in these trails before, and based off of what you've what you've done recently. You were just trying to again find that edge and and push as hard as you could and you pushed too hard or you think that you you only had a hydration pack and if you would have just had one aid station at mile 26 you would have been fine um i i don't know probably a little combination of both it, i this was um you're right that there was no one else out there you know i was managing this whole thing myself but it was I think self-supported is the right term in in, in this uh, yep. in this world. So I I put a water drop at 
like the that garden zebra it's it's basically like the 10 and the 20 mile point i had a water drop so i refilled some bottles there i was carrying two bottles and uh um but i ran out i was running out of water because i was trying to catch up on on hydration i think i just wasn't drinking enough you know i had plenty left in the bottles at, at mile 10 and at mile 20 and uh maybe probably could have had a little more calories i was using tailwind and and other foodstuffs um I don't know. I don't know much about this stuff, and I need to learn more. Uh, it's, I, I don't know much about it either. Yeah. So. It would, as someone as technical as I am, or 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 analytical, or whatever, it would surprise you how little I have read or learned about this stuff, and I need to learn more. But so anyway, probably a combination of that, and um, I don't know. I I feel like if I had uh, you know managed things correctly, I, I could have met goals. Um, and you know, it was just just a little bit, you know, just a little bit off that day in terms of how I managed it. Well, you know, I, I think when you, you, something like this, something like, uh, an FKT or something like a self-supported, I think a lot of, you know, I mean, it, it, it's learned through experience and it's learned through doing doing something wrong and, and learning and, and, and it's about, and I think you do have this mindset. It's not about that was a failure. It's about something was off that day and let me find the thing that was off. Yep. I totally agree. And so I think, you know, to lighten this a little bit and to talk about what may be off, let, let's talk about the, the point in time where you, you did find the edge and where you wrote it successfully about six weeks before this FKT attempt, right? So you said your whole thing was leading up to Twisted Branch. And and, uh, and I'll quickly mention that your FL50's um, attempt was no slouch either. In, a, in an extremely muddy year, you did, what, 1030, something like that? Uh, it was um, 1017. Yeah, right around there. I, yeah. I, I swear I'm... I'm I don't stock all your results. I just look at them. Um, <laughs> but, but, uh, so yeah, I mean, you did that. Um, and, and if I remember correctly, you, um, that was a pretty busy couple of weeks for you leading up to that FL fifties, right? Didn't you do something a little bit goofy right before that one as well? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I, I didn't have like a, a very substantial taper, but leading up to that, let's see, two weeks before I had a seventy-mile week. So right. and you so had a you good. had a you had a couple sixties, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and you you did Ontario Summit. Yeah, and, and I, I didn't really have a recovery week after that. So so yeah, that was some pretty solid training, and then uh, like a, a a week, basically just like a week long taper for Finger Lakes fifties. And yeah. I was treating it as, I mean, it wasn't a goal race. I wanted to see what I could do, but it was kind of a, in sort of a training race for Twisted Branch. So I was, it was kind of a deliberate choice there. Yeah. Right. And I mean, by a solid block of training, I'm, I'm thinking you had somewhere around a 180 mile month of June, probably would be my guess. Maybe even more than that. It was over 200 miles. Yeah. yeah. See, so a solid, solid block of training, let's say, <laughs> um, and and you went right into FL fifties and and you know I think 
you know, when we talked about that, I think you found you found a little something about like what you were saying about running hard. You found you found something in there where that that was not an easy race, and so many people were dropping down from the fifty um, to the to the twenty five and just kind of calling it quits. And um, I think you found a little a little something there to, to hit a really nice time in a very challenging course. Yeah, that was a a great experience. Uh, Finger Lakes fifties. It was, uh, mud, 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 mud. It was, you know, it made the mud at 2014's like a Honda look like, you know, nothing like a, like a drop. It was just endless, endless mud. I don't know how many times I'll say mud in the next five minutes, but, um, yeah, that was interesting. And, and all the different types of mud you get. So um, I guess it was kind of a mental thing of just learning to, you know, let go of the things you can't control. And, and, and I was, I guess I was kind of fortunate to experience that in a couple of different ways this year, like mind the ducks, uh, 12 hour race, the, the oppressive heat that day was bringing basically all of us down. Uh, and, you know, so, in a similar, both of those races had kind of the similar experience of, you know, here's this challenge, you know, the weather um, or trail conditions or, or, or whatever, and you can't control it. So what are you going to do about it? And, you know, you can, um, and, and it, I totally respect, you know, if people, you know, need to drop and, and, you know, there's plenty of good reasons to do that. Um, uh, depending on what your goals are and what your priorities are, that's, that's cool. Um, I wanted to just keep going. And so the, the first lap was, was just kind of fun, you know, was, eh, playing in the mud, you know, running, um, everyone's having mostly a good time at that point. And, uh, you know, it, it's Finger Lakes fifties is, is three, um, it's, it's a loop. It's three loops of 16.5 miles and then a baby loop of 0.5. So, so yeah, this is lap one of three. And then, uh, just kind of keeping it steady. Um, and, was trying to be somewhat conservative because I was still kind of new to this, you know, these longer ultras. And then, uh, the second lap was the second loop was where, um, you know, probably pretty much everybody it started to, that's where it got to be the mental challenge of now the mud is three times worse because everybody's been on it once. And now you're going back out on the same course again and it's even worse. And it's been kind of a damp day anyway, which, so it's not drying out. So do you keep going? You're right there at the finish line. Do you keep going? And um, it wasn't really a, a question to me. I just kept going. And then the third lap was the real kind of breakthrough of of learning to just let go of you know yeah it's it's muddy. It's the footing's tough. It's it's hard to run, but you know you can't control it. So just let go and just just keep going and, and make what you can of the day. So, um, I went and tried to run Like the, the challenge that day was just figuring out, like, I don't understand how people finished multiple hours faster because it's like just finding places where you could physically move without spinning your feet was a challenge. So I, I, I am extremely impressed by the people in the front of that race. Um, and I mean, so yeah, I just, just kept going and, and the, it was just kind of a fact of, 
you know, you, you're going to get to the finish line and how long is it going to take to get there? And, and learning how to play those mental games of, okay, there's, there's 12 miles left. Well, that, that's just two 10 Ks. That's easy. And you do that all the time. Now there's 10 miles left. Okay. So now it's single digits and now maybe there's roughly an hour left. So you, you play those mental games and you always kind of round down to make it sound easier to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Always a little bit extra. Yeah. 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 Um, always mod, always mod. Yep. Yep. So. <laughs> um, and so what's funny is you, you, two things in there is, um, you mentioned, you know, the people at the front of the race. And I think, I think over the course of the year, what maybe what you didn't realize is you were becoming that person at the front of the race. There's a lot of people at FL fifties that said, I can't believe Mertzak ran 1030. Right. How's he doing that up there in the front of the race? I worked my tail off. Right. And so over the maybe you didn't feel that way in March or April or May or maybe even not even at Ontario Summit. But that's where I think FL 50s felt like you were starting to see that that you can you can push yourself in a place that you hadn't really um, been comfortable with before. But now you're okay experimenting, and you're sort of getting familiar with it. Uh, yes and no. Um, in terms of like pushing oneself, uh, yeah. Um, Ontario Summit, I, I feel like was somewhat to that degree, although I did not feel as successful in that in terms of like just the mental and internal battles and struggles toward the end of that race, but. Um, felt much more with it during Finger Lakes 50s. So, so yeah, that was more successful. But in terms of actual performance, like the, the funny thing is that, like, just to kind of highlight the how impressed I am at how what people did during that race was, I was the 50th percentile in terms of finishers of the uh, 50 mile race, and I know that because like a few weeks later. Um, Steve, the race director, sent me a letter in the mail uh, with um, saying that he forgot to give out this, uh, um, you know, this prize uh, at the end of the race, and so he picked the person that was the exact middle finisher, and uh, and that was me. So um, so I won like a, a free, you know, pair of whatever I wanted from this uh, um, from this new uh, apparel company only Adams. So I got some shorts from them, but, um, so, I mean, there were just as many people that finished faster than me that day as, as slower. So it's, 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 I don't know. It's, it's still kind of crazy what people did that day. I don't know how they physically found enough space to run in to, to, they must've been like sprinting in between the butt pits. That's my well, isn't, <laughs> wasn't, wasn't that number of people that finished like 17 or something like that? Um, I was, I think I was 11 out of 22 or something yeah. like that. And, and a number of people who were signed up for the 50 dropped down to the lower level and sort of bailed on that, on that next loop of mud. True. There right. is, there is that to consider. So, so anyways, um, I guess, I guess the point I'm trying to make is to me that, that, at least looking from the outside, seems to be the place where you, where you saw the edge and you sort of like, you you pushed um, 
in places that maybe you wouldn't have pushed earlier in the year. And I, I'm not trying to force that on you. I'm just trying to say that that was my impression. Yeah. No, I, I do agree with that. Like, you know, like I was saying, like the, in terms of personal experience. Yeah, I agree with that. And it was what felt like a more successful race than some of the previous races in terms of, you know, managing and, and, and just kind of executing. And, you know, the last hour or so, uh, I tried to, you know, just lay it all out there. Um, and except for getting stuck knee deep at one point in the mud, which was knee deep. Really? Oh yes. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Like, and, and just trying to get out of it without sucking my shoe out, which would have been like the worst thing ever. Um, Oh yeah, that was like a mile and a half from the finish. That was great. Uh, I've heard tale of lots of shoes. I, I haven't heard tales of shoes being lost on the course. I've heard tales of shoes being found on the course. <laughs> yeah, like somebody's like, I just came across a shoe. I don't know why they left it. And I yeah. wonder if I wonder if the ground just sort of churns them up and spits them out from the previous <laughs> year. <laughs> yeah. Um, so other than that, yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, I think that was when things started to click in terms of the twisted branch training and, um, you know, like there was a, things started to fall together into the place. Like when I finished that race, um, yeah, I had worked hard, but I felt like I could have, I was confident I could have finished hundred K that day. So that was a real confidence boost for Right. In terms of, of that particular feeling and just in terms of completed a 50-mile trail race and, and kind of seeing some of those elements of execution fall together, that was a big confidence boost for sure. Yeah. And um, you, you previously, I had mentioned two things. Um, you had slipped in uh, Mind the Ducks, and I don't know how I let that slip my mind. But um, <laughs> that, was, um, that was fun. You cranked out, what, 58? miles in that 94 degree heat 54 miles um, 54 our miles. record was 58 maybe that's what you're thinking of right yeah yeah, so, yeah. that's not not too shabby yeah that was a kind of a, a another fortunate lesson experience I, I guess you could say um i wasn't planning on doing it and i don't know a few weeks before the race it was one of those situations where everybody you know is doing it you know i was making these new friends and they're all doing it so it's like yeah it, it'd be it sounds like a good training you know 12 hours time on feet you know never done that before sounds like kind of a low pressure environment um forgetting the fact that i i, I have a hard time you know not taking a race seriously to some degree but, but anyway yeah uh and you know, halfway through that race, like a whole bunch of us kind of all started feeling the heat at pretty much the same time. And, and, you know, just dealing with, you know, I got pretty seriously dehydrated during that race and, you know, just recovering from that and then failing again and then recovering again, you know, hitting those low points, which I had never experienced before. So that was um, a pretty interesting experience. And then, being able to, you know, I was ready to just, I, don't know, I was, it was like 11 and a half hours in and I had hit 50 miles. So I was happy. I was ready to just, you know, take a seat and be done for the day. And, um, Laura Rickerth and Mike Weldon come running by and it's like, all right, I'll pace them for one more lap. And then they just kept, they wouldn't let me stop. So I, I tagged along with them for like three more laps and we were putting in like these nine minute paces, which was kind of interesting to see that, 
you know, even when you think you're totally drained, you're still capable of moving and you're, you can like pull this, uh, will to move out of somewhere. If you have the right motivation in this case, the motivation was, you know, running with friends. It was, it was so fun to watch you guys ripping those off at, at the end, knowing like the sun is setting a little bit, not that the temperature is cooling, but the sun's setting, you know, you don't have that blazing light over you and to know that the end is coming and to go, they're going to make it around in time for one more lap. Are they going to do one more lap? Oh, they're totally going to do one more lap. <laughs> right. And it was night. Nice. I mean, to see the speed, and to see you guys just cruising around after, like you said, the rise and the fall, the the valley and the peak over and over for twelve hours, um, it, like you said, there's there's something there where the brain tells you you're done, and then the body says, yeah, well maybe we're done, and then the brain decides to change its mind, and and you you play a game with yourself, and I think there's always a little bit more left than than we're willing to admit to ourselves on the surface yeah it's it's like if, if you give yourself a choice you know if you give yourself an easy way out then you know maybe you can take it but if you you kind of put yourself in a situation where you know you have some goal you know whether it's one more lap or 30 more miles or whatever it is and you just kind of convince yourself that that's what you're going to do, then more often than not, you can do it, you know, no matter who you are or what situation you're in, unless it's something dire. But, you know, so, you know, in this case, it was, you know, well, they, these, you know, these friends convinced me to just keep running. And um, it just felt like that was really the only thing to do right then. And it didn't really make any sense anymore to just stop. So uh, yeah, I grabbed a, a double marathon at the end of that, and uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah, what, what else are you going to do for the you know 16 minutes before the race ends, I guess? Run two more laps. Um, but it's funny, one of the things when I was, um, when I was first, um, not first, but in, in the recent era of my running, when I was just starting to regularly go over 10 miles, I would do the, um, I would do the trick where I'd be like, okay, um, I'm running home now. And I would start to run home. And then, um, at some point I would make a snap decision to start running down a street that took me away from my house. And I was like, Oh, you're already on this street. Looks like you're going to run the uh, two more miles that it takes to go around, you know, this big block and come down the other street. And as soon as I did that, it was fine. But, you know, you, you play this game with yourself, only a mile left, only a mile. And if you suddenly go, oh, I turned that one mile into three miles, that you don't have a problem with it. There, You know, you can actually do that. Yeah, Um that's a good trick. Although, uh, that makes me think of Twisted Ranch, though, and the last part of that, that dragged on longer than people think. Um, oh, well, that, that's a, that's uh, yeah. a different kind of trick. Yeah, yeah, I guess it is. It's, it's, that was foisted upon, well, I don't know, foisted's the wrong word. I mean, races can be longer. That's fine. But, but yeah, that was, a, um, just, yeah, that was a different experience. You're right. 
Um, but, but, uh, you know, I guess the, the reason I bring that up is because like you said, um, you, you know, um, Weldon and, and, uh, Laura were running and they were like, come on. And you're like, okay, cool. And, and if you can do that to your brain, you know, for, for people that are finding like, oh, I, I, there's no way I could run more than five miles. Well, you know what? Try running four and a half. And then turn in the corner and go down that one mile road, you know, and now you got to run back. And guess what? You just ran six and a half, you know, like it, it can happen just like that. Yeah. And um, then there's Twisted Branch, which you could sign up for 100K, which you've never run before on some of the hardest trails, you know. Um, which you never ran before until you signed up for the race and decided you should probably go run those trails. Um, but uh, you had a hell of a day at, at uh, Twisted Branch. You know, when we were first going through the year, um, there was a lot of talk about how we we're all going to be clumped together and we're going to be... We're going to be running together because we're, you know, similar um, and we have similar experiences and similar goals. And... Um, that to me was the day that you uh, totally you totally leveled up. Like, I I think you you were looking at that level around Finger Lakes fifty. You saw something, and then you sort of amped up for the remainder of July into August in preparation for leveling up at Twisted Branch. Yeah, that was a a really great experience, a great race, and. Um, there were certainly there was certainly a lot of adversity, a lot of diversity, a lot of challenges in that race of various sorts uh, that we'll cover briefly here. And but yeah, uh, happy with the result. I mean, um, going into it, I, I think what happened was like, well, <laughs> so that race kind of evolved in our minds over the year, like you're saying, and. You know, we started out, I, I was thinking, oh, we could probably finish that, what, like 11 and a half, 12 hours, you know, 12 hours maybe. And yeah. Every month that went by, that, that goal time, you know, as, as the we previewed things, the race got more real, that goal time got further and further back, and the uncertainty of what we could do in the race, uh, for me at least, I don't want to speak for others, but um, the uncertainty of what could be done uh, increased Um so, I mean, after Finger Lakes 50s, I knew I could, f I, I felt confident that I could finish it, but I didn't really have any clue as to how that would play out. And I would have been happy just finishing it. You know, I tried to make up some, some goal times. Um, I, I gave uh, my wife, Valerie, um, my crew, uh, a, a spreadsheet of, you know, kind of slow and fast potential times to reach aid station. And, yeah, it ends up with like a two-hour spread at the end of the race, so it's kind of like basically no idea. But um, I did some like 20-mile-plus preview runs on the Finger Lakes Trail in early August, late July, and um, they felt good. I felt somewhat fresh at the end of them. So the general thought, I think, was kind of, could I just keep that pace up for the whole race? And... I think actually it kind of ended up being more or less like that. Um, I think the race was pretty much just those training runs strung together. And uh, 
I don't know. If, I don't know where to start if we're going to go into detail with this race. Well, we, <laughs> whatever you want to talk about. Um, I, you know, for me, um, I guess the place I'd like to start is is leading up to it. I mean, we just talked about you had Ontario Summit. You had two hundred miles in June. Then you had uh, a fifty miler on Fourth uh, of July weekend. Now you got seven weeks to Twisted Branch. What what were you doing for those seven weeks now that the race that you signed up for, you know, nine months ago is only seven weeks away and you've had for what most people is a full year of running? Yeah, um, it, that was when it was time to get serious with training. There was no other races, no other distractions in between. Uh, so... Um, I, I didn't really have, I, I had no trainer this year. Uh, I mean, no coach this year, no specific training plan. I was trying to come up with some general goals and patterns kind of on a weekly basis, but, um, it, it basically kind of shifted into this mode of preview as much of the course as possible, get in a couple of really big weeks, um, and, and make pretty much every run like mimic the conditions of the race and you know just to to get all of that specific training of of that type of trail and that type of elevation change and uh kind of i had discovered um with the big hills that we had done earlier in the year and especially like ontario summit that um technique when climbing uh, was something to learn and something to spend time learning and, and that could be really valuable. So spent a whole bunch of time learning that um, and, and practicing that on these training runs. So yeah, I got in a couple of big weeks, uh, some of those big you know 20 mile training runs, this and that. Um, the Mighty Mosquito race, the Trails Rock Mighty Mosquito 99-mile relay, I, I volunteered at that, and that actually was a really great time on feet experience of just being up all day long and put in something like 20, 40 miles in a 24-hour period of just marking courses and checking stuff. So that was a pretty cool experience too. So that was training, just this kind of big, endless stream of dress rehearsals really. So dress rehearsals, meaning that you are, you're adding specificity to your training. Yep. Yeah. Specificity in terms of, you know, just trying to maximize the amount of time spent on trails like the Bristol Hills branch of the Finger Lakes Trail and getting in, you know, not just preview runs on the course, but long preview runs mm -hmm. and, um, you know, these time on feet experiences and et cetera. It just, you now, know. did you have, did you have, um, I mean, did you have any kind of, I better back off a of training cause this doesn't feel good or this doesn't feel right. Or were you, I, I know that you weren't, you didn't have any serious injuries last year, but were there points that you were kind of questioning, am I doing too much? Uh, no. Um, it like, my, my body felt really resilient and it was just kind of firing on all cylinders. But actually there was an injury in the middle of that. Um, I like, uh, I was at Abraham Lincoln park, which is just straight up and down. So, and we were 
with a bunch of friends running up and down hills and I totally face planted going down a hill and bruised my rib and uh and that was fun um <laughs> and and that was uh like three days like a few days before the mighty mosquito weekend so I was right. doing that whole thing like nursing this bruised rib and um so that slowed me down for like a week and then once I recovered from that there were only uh, like two and a half weeks left to Twisted Ranch. So that put an earlier end to the peak training than I wanted, but I still got like in hindsight, like, well, not just in hindsight, but like even as I was sitting there recovering, I, I felt pretty good because most of the previews got done and there were like three solid, really solid weeks in a row. So just kind of accepted it and just focused on recovering and, um, and, uh, and and try not to let it get in the way of um you know put me in a bad spot mentally and you know what i guess i guess i do recall that fall and i do recall you kind of you kind of had a little bit of road rash trail style but um <laughs> i guess i didn't i guess i didn't think of it as a major injury because i i ran with you a lot after that had happened and you didn't seem to have slowed down so <laughs> Your your definition of nursing an injury is slightly different than yeah. mine. Yeah, I mean it wasn't major, but it took like probably about a week's worth of training away from, yeah. from what yep. I had planned at pretty much the prime point of of you know it was like the beginning of August, so that was like you know that's where the peak of training should be, and so it just kind of put a little hole in in that sweet spot of the training schedule. Yeah, and I had actually I was I was super sick. I don't know what happened, but I you know, and I've attributed to I was just drained. I just didn't have any energy, and that was the week of zero SPF, which was the week before your fall. And so I was coming out of that just feeling like crap and feeling drained going into the Mighty Mosquito weekend. And I felt like I had recovered just in time to to hit a, a good solid week of training and do the the 41 at at Moschino and I felt I felt a little lucky about that you know like oh if I would have got sick a week later things would have been you know a little bit squished yeah that uh that mighty Mosquito run you put in was really solid that was that was inspiring uh to see you and, and to see the other people do that stuff um you know, six loops in a row of, of this ridiculous uh, um, uh, route, and then you go and do some more loops on, on other routes. That was that was pretty cool to see, and you know, like I said, inspiring. Well, that was that was um, you had you know finger likes fifty, and you had you know you had your fifty miler, and I I had never run more than a fifty k up to that point, so I I was going in going. I I need to know that I can run more than 50k, you know, and I, I the good way to do that. I think I signed up, I signed up two days after registration had closed for Mighty Mosquito, and I'm like Eric, uh, I just got this major brainwave. I got this amazing idea. Um, please, uh, <laughs> you know, have have mercy on my soul. And he's like, uh, yeah, sure. No problem. You're, <laughs> yeah. you're so your soul's safe, you know. Sure, we'll we'll, um, uh, we'll uh, go along with this and and let you abuse yourself 
Yeah, okay. we'll 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 take your money. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean that's that's pretty much exactly why I decided to do Mind the Ducks was to get, you know, one extra chance to one earlier than planned chance to experience that in a uh, in a, a safe environment, if if you will. Yeah, and and so I had mentioned that you know you, you know we don't have to dig fully in a twisted branch because I think we've. Um, you know, we've covered quite a bit of your, your year here, but, um, I mentioned leveling up at Twisted Branch. And, um, the reason I say that is because you finished in the daylight <laughs> and that's, that's, um, that there's a line there finishing in the daylight and finishing in the dark. Um, and I guess in general, how are you, how are you feeling as you're finding yourself running with, perhaps a group of people that, that you really didn't, uh, you didn't know, or you weren't familiar, you know, previously running with, did you feel like you're in a different place? Uh, I, I guess, uh, trying to think what was going through, through my head, but, um, I mean, the, the, the first half of the race, it was kind of two different experiences, two different halves. Like the first half of the race started out pretty, pretty simple. We were, trying to be I was trying to be somewhat conservative at the beginning and um, although I think you and I were joking about that about not knowing whether you know we were probably going out too hard and didn't even know it um, and uh, you know, Turn, it turns out one of us was <laughs> <laughs> um, and then it just kind of got pulled out pulled along with some other people around I don't know mile seven or eight or something it was like the um the 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 big climb before you reach naples and uh yeah it was like a bunch of these strangers um and but they were all cool people to run with and uh it was just kind of a this um it was kind of a you know one of those states where you're just you're just going and it feels good and uh you're being pulled along this this current uh, with these other people that are just running so smoothly and, and making it look easy. And um, so I guess that's when I put on the gas a little bit and then uh, and then blew up a little bit halfway through the race around the 30-mile point. Um, spent like 25 minutes or something stupid at an aid station because I was just totally wasted and... and, and uh, it was at the Italy Turnpike aid station, the one on the road in the heat. And um, so, you know, that was probably one of those cases, like I said, of probably like a nutrition hydration thing going on there, maybe working a little too hard. So I recovered from that and eventually got it back together and just started feeling good. And, and just, it was that state of um, knowing that the finish is up at point, you know, B and I'm at point A and, you know, there's not really any choice other than to keep moving forward. And I think especially with point-to-point races, it makes it a little bit easier. You don't have that temptation to, to stop after lap X. But um, So you just kept moving. And there were these little the, – the cool thing about an ultra is that you can have you can have low points at various points, but you can also have like mini victories, like several of them in the middle of a race. You know, if you're counting from aid station to aid station – what your split times are or whatever, you know, I was, I was getting further behind, 
you know, certain people and, and suddenly I was catching up with them for whatever reason. It was just feeling good. And um, eventually I, I put a target on Dan Ostrander's back and, and uh, you know, he was someone that I've, I've always felt like I was just a step behind in terms of performance through the year. And, and, and I didn't think I was going to see him at all that day. And then somehow I caught up with him. So that was, that was kind of neat. Um, so, you know, it was just all these little, 30 minute experiences of, uh, you know, can you accomplish this next thing? Can you, you know, can you do well on this next hill? Can you catch up with that next person? Can you, you know, keep moving? Can you ignore the fact that you're, I mean, my knee was a little screwed up. I mean, nothing like what some other people were going through, but, um, you know, just learning, figuring out how to get around that and not let that get in the way and then racing the sun to the finish line. Yeah, and when I when I um when I was kind of coming into aid stations, you know, initially people were sort of saying, "Oh, you know, this person's here and this person's here and you know, they're just 20 minutes ahead of you and oh, so and so came through a half hour ago." Eventually they they stopped telling me what time you came through because <laughs> you were you you were running a different race. Um and you know there's there's a picture of you at the end of the race where it it doesn't look like you're about to fall over but it looks like you're at the stage right before you're about to fall over um do you feel like you you uh left it all out there on and the twisted branch do you feel like um you got everything out of yourself you could have that day yes um i can say that with confidence on that race uh, that last climb, uh, Mount Washington, I guess we call it outside of, uh, Hammondsport mm-hmm. was, the, um, the Urbana, yeah, the yeah. Urbana aid station. Yep. Like coming into Urbana, I was, you know, I was still moving. Um, but, uh, um, it was definitely feeling the fatigue, like just this tiredness that I'd never felt before. Like just this, you know, overwhelming urge to just take a nap, which was a, kind of a cool thing. Um, and, uh, and so there was that, you know, I knew I was fatigued and then, you know, you hike up the hill and did pretty well with that. was very glad to have previewed it because, uh, you know, I knew how to navigate all the switchbacks, but hiked up and it felt pretty good. But when I hit the top of that hill and it leveled out to the degree that that levels out, I mean, it's still up and down, even though you're on the ridge. Um, it just, my body just was like, okay, we're, we're done. Let's just you know, stop up here. Uh, and it, you know, we, we've been talking about, you know, the will to, to, to go and, 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 you know, the ability to just keep going. But, um, that was a real battle at the top of that hill. Uh, the, like the, the distance thing, you know, that a lot of people have talked about, you know, the extra distance or it felt long. And like, I had the, had the advantage of previewing that like two weeks before. So, I knew that better than probably almost any other racer that day, which was, I guess, a huge advantage. But it still felt long just because of this, you know, just, it was, every single step was a battle just to keep moving. And, you know, just, just a total shambles physically at the top of the hill. Like, I wanted to finish, and it, it was just, that last climb was, I guess, where I, you know, all of the fumes left the tank and I was completely on empty at that point. Um, I was with Kendra. No, sorry, not with Kendra, with uh, Katie DeRusso 
at that kind of was way ahead, but um, with Katie Russo at that point, and uh, we were kind of. Um, I think it was good for both of us to to be at the same point in that race. To, to we were taking turns, kind of pushing each other and encouraging each other to keep going. And uh, you know, if you're alone in that sort of situation, it's um, you know that could have added five or ten minutes or more to the finish time. Just not having someone around to help you through that stuff. Yeah. And I, I think that the, um, like I said, I think, you know, you, you did have that knowledge. I think you were one of the few people you saw the, uh, the triad trail the day it was finished or, or thereabouts. And, but you had the sunshine and you had, I think, but potentially a little bit of motivation knowing that you're going to break 15 hours and maybe that was an expectation going in, but as you go through the course and you start to realize what we're really up against, 15 hours and the the place that you're going to finish becomes quite a motivator as well, I would think. Yeah, um, it, it was it was feeling really great to get close to the goal there, to get close to the end and to feel, um, I mean, like I'm looking at my, the the schedule that I had I'd given Valerie for the day and that breaking 15 hours is kind of right in the middle of the original plan. So, you know, even after um, months and months of revising our outlook for the race, it was still just, uh, you know, numerically right in the middle of, uh, of, you know, what it should have been on paper. But, but yeah, that, that felt pretty good. And uh, I lost track of what we were going to say there, but um well, I just... think I think even after having run it once now, I think, you know, 15 hours may be close to my A goal for this upcoming year as well. So um, overall, I mean, it was that was a, a really, really solid day for you. So congrats on that. I don't I don't know that you've gotten your your proper congratulations on your leveling up. So um, good job there. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I mean, it's. Um, I mean, like thinking I'm signed up for this for, for 2016 and, and I, are you as well? You are? Yes. Yes, yeah. I am. Um, yeah. Like, you know, thinking about what can we do this year and it's hard to, at this point, picture, I mean, like the, the easy thing to do would be to take off that big chunk of an hour that I spent recovering at eight stations. I mean, if you manage the race better, you can take that away and that helps a lot. But other than that, it's hard to imagine physically moving faster on that course, but I mean, you never know, you know, we, every year, um, you know, we progress in our capabilities and, you know, do things that we didn't think we could do. So who knows? Yep. And, um, you know, I guess real quick, you sort of, we talked about your FKT that happened in October and then, you went into November sort of to, to cap off your year with um, Menden 50K again, sort of going back for the second time, I guess. And um, with that one, you know, I think after having witnessed your um, your Twisted Branch, I kept I knew where I saw you finishing in um, Menden 50K. But did you have a thought of, of what you were going to do? Did you have a specific goal in there and... And or was that just sort of um you know let's let's uh, finish the year and see what I could do with a you know ticker tape uh, trail run? Yeah, I had some thoughts. Um, 
2014, uh, I finished Men in 50K one one minute slower than uh, Sega Honda. Um, and so this year, uh, the, the trail marathon I had done was Ontario Summit. So it was like, it'd be fun to finish about as fast as Ontario Summit or maybe a little faster. That's um, an interesting way to do it. Yeah, so that would put me, you know, like a little bit under five hours. And um, I was doing some training for it, going up to the the 50k this year, and you know, doing some of those loops, the five loop course. So doing you know one, two, three loops on training runs, and it was the prospect of doing that was a little daunting. Like I could you know easily do one loop at the target pace but it was i was having a hard time digesting being able to keep that up for five loops mm-hmm. um yeah I, I did a three loop training run so that's a 30k and that third loop was kind of sucked um and so it's like oh boy um i'm okay with the fourth loop feeling like that but i don't want the third loop to feel like that on race day and thankfully the third loop was good the first three loops were pretty consistent and, you know, the time started slowing down and I mean, it, each loop, I guess was a little bit slower, but things didn't really start to get, you know, on the edge of falling apart until the, the last loop. So, um, the first, it, it was, it turned out to, to work that, that target piece. Now you had mentioned that you don't, you didn't have a coach and you, you know, you don't really have any training plans. Um, I'm guessing you have some sort of training plan. Are you working it on the fly? Are you basing it off of books that you read or just principles you know? Do you do three-week build, one-week recovery? Sort of how are you How are you piecing this together over a 2,000-mile year remaining relatively injury-free and continuing to improve your race results? Oh boy! Uh, <laughs> I, I don't That's, really. The, come on, yeah. right here. This is the million dollar question. <laughs> um, this is you know, people should not listen to this because I have don't don't do this. But I have no, I had no training plan. I I I you know I tried to follow some basic patterns of you know build up for a couple of weeks and then take an easier week. Uh, like so, at the beginning of the year, I was like, okay let's look at doing a training plan. So I looked at a couple of things. I can't remember what patterns, what plans I looked at, but they obviously left a big impact on you. <laughs> and, um, I think like one thing was to you know, take like the second training plan and replicate. It. Oh, I looked at the, I had read, um, like I, I, I have a couple of books. I, I, I have read a couple of books, but not much. Um, uh, the, uh, Scott Jerick's book, um, uh, eat and run. No, not eat and run. Um, is this Scott Jerks? No, Relentless Forward Progress. Brian Powell. Oh, Brian and, Powell. Uh, yep. And um, uh, Hal Corner's book, The Field Guide to Ultra Running. So they yep. both have training plans. So I was like, okay, I'll take these training plans and adapt them to to my life, my schedule, and started doing that. And I was like, holy cow, this is so hard to do, to fit in around a race schedule, and around a life schedule. And I just gave up and 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 just used them as inspiration for general patterns on a, on a weekly basis and tried to get some recovery weeks in there. And that's really about it. So um, some recovery weeks, meaning you had a couple recovery weeks throughout the whole year? 
uh, you know, every I try to make it roughly every three weeks or so. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it it ended up you know it's probably nothing really super consistent looking, but yeah, I mean, I think kind of in the mid year I had some kind of nice looking um, patterns going on of of, of three week phases, but mm-hmm. uh, it was it's a bit of a bit of a shambles in terms of any real structure. Mm-hmm. And and hell, it worked out. I mean, you know. Um, go ahead. That's that's the big question for 2016: is you know more structure or stick with stick with that uh, you know going off the cuff. And I don't yeah. know the answer yet. So it it seemed like 2015. We we kind of talked about two things, which was um, discovery. And in another way, acceptance, right? And it's sort of like maybe we're, do you feel those two were trading off, you know, discover something new, accept the new reality, discover something new? Yeah, yeah, that's a nice way to say it. You know, discovering capabilities and discovering, uh, you know, um, I don't know what, it, what it's like to experience uh, new challenges and accepting um you know, where you're at, if it's good or bad, and accepting, uh, you know, like kind of accepting the moment of, of, a, of, of, of what you're given in a race as well as the bigger picture of accepting what your, um, I guess, where your skills and capabilities are too. Mm-hmm. And then there's that, that piece, as you mentioned, accepting what, what your life schedule will allow regardless of your... Um, your training plans or your ambitions, right? Yeah. 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 I did a lot of, um, I, you know, I sort of limited my running to four days a week and occasionally I'd have to shift those days and occasionally things came up and occasionally, you know, I wasn't where I wanted to be. And I think acceptance in, in the, um, life altering our plans sort of you know I, and it's weird I'll, I'll get that whole cliche but that's sort of a metaphor for these big long races now you know you didn't expect to spend 25 minutes at an aid station but you did and you accepted it and you moved on and I think that's if if I would transfer anything from running back into life it's the acceptance of unexpected circumstances and how can you how can you adapt and i don't think my life taught me to do that as a runner i think being a runner has is teaching me how to do it in life yep yeah that's one of the biggest uh you know things um that i think a person can get out of out of running uh I don't think ultra running necessarily specifically, but it certainly seems to be a, a big thing to get out of ultra running. And I've definitely experienced that, especially this year. Um, I feel like in some ways I'm a lot more just patient and relaxed in some ways, probably not in others, but, uh, than, than I have been, um, because of that, you know, because of experiencing these things. Yeah. Even, even if you're not like outwardly, uh, uh, you you don't appear to be a tightly wound person and you don't appear to be highly stressed. Um, I think even if somebody, you know, is a mellow, calm introvert, their, their stress levels, 
they're not different just because they don't show them to you. And I, I feel like, you know, a lot of people will be like, oh, Mike Mertzak, he's, yeah, of course he's calm and he's relaxed. And, you know, but I, I do think um, our your internal meters and your external meters don't have to be the same. You know, you can be getting the same kind of relaxation and the same kind of internal satisfactions and you don't have to tell the world about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of something I like to, to mention. It's not sort of related to this is something I learned in a yoga class is like, if you've got, you know, if you're doing something, you know, physically challenging or stimulating or stressful or whatever and it's you know so you're doing some yoga pose for example that's working you know the lower half of your body that doesn't mean you should be that you need to be showing that stress in your upper half of your body or your face or whatever you know and you just relax and you focus where you need to focus and you relax elsewhere and it helps you know it makes things work better and that's like a something I always go back to when running. And I think a lot of people say I look happy when I run. It's because even if I'm, my body's miserable, I try to just, uh, you know, relax and, and enjoy it or in whatever way is necessary. Um, and, uh, and that's kind of a, a neat thing to practice and to try to apply to your life. Yeah. Put the stress in the right place. Right. Yeah, and I think um, you know, it's funny to to again um take it to the other side. Um whenever I'm trying to open a jar or whenever I'm trying to like um twist something, I always find that I'm clenching my jaw as I'm trying to open the jar. And as soon as I relax my jaw, the jar opens. There you go. Yep. That's I don't, that's exactly it. I'm not sure what that means. Maybe, maybe those are my moments of Zen in life, but (laughs) it's really strange because I'll find like, I'm, I'm totally, and then if I just let go and just turn my hand, it's open. So yeah, you need to, that needs to be your mantra when you're running, you know? Um, I mean the, the, what the yoga instructor said is that you're wasting energy if you're, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I don't know how true that is. It probably to some degree, at least, at least psychologically or metaphorically, but um, that's the, the the conceit with which I I I do this. Yeah, um, my chiropractor. Whenever she goes to adjust my neck, um, we go through this little routine. She's adjusted my neck hundreds of times. I know exactly what she's doing. I'm fully confident in her abilities, but I'm always holding something there. And so at first, she'll tell me to wiggle my toes, and then she'll tell me to breathe. And then she'll say, let it go. And then she'll say, are you wiggling your toes? And then my neck is cracked, you know, and it's in, in what she's doing is uh, trying to help me remember that what I want to do is let go of the muscles in my neck. And I'm directing energy there for some, you know, unnecessary reason. So, um, I, I do think there, there is a, um, there is a physiological thing there as well, um, but also also a mental thing. You talked a lot about letting go of what you can't control, you know, and whether that's 95 degree heat, whether that's a, a stressful day at work, whether that's a, a muddy trail, you know, letting go of those things that you can't control and focusing on the things that you can. Mm-hmm. So... 
you know, that that's the deep the deep portion of the program, I guess. That's um but uh so twenty sixteen you talked a little bit about like do you do more of the same and go with what works or do you try to make some tweaks and do a little bit better? What what do you have planned um to uh to level up at Twisted Branch again? Uh well, um a little bit of the same and a little bit of new stuff branching out a bit. Uh, first road marathon ever in my life. Uh, the the rock and roll marathon in DC in March. So that should be interesting. Uh, it's not a goal race, but it's uh, a, I'm, I'm sure I'll try to do what I can and um, still have no idea what I'm doing with that. Uh, it's having never done a road race uh, and it, longer road races, it's, it makes for interesting milestones. Like I got a marathon PR and a half marathon PR at Menden Trail Run 50K because of that, uh, which which is kind of fun. So anyway, um, yeah, so a road marathon and then, uh, you know, some, some other stuff, uh, maybe go back to Money Sneaker and so on. And then Cayuga Trails 50 Mile, uh, which was, um, you know, just a – a cool thing to volunteer at last year and, and inspiring. Uh, and, you know, it's probably on, on the bucket list of a whole lot of people in, in this region. So um, that'll be kind of the, the kickoff to spring and summer. And then um, I'd like to do a Scarpment this year. Uh, that's a 30K mountain run in the Catskills. Um, I did the Devil's Path uh uh, last fall, and that was my first time ever in the mountains, first time ever in the Catskills, and that was just such a cool experience. You know, I'm already hooked on mountain running, so I want to give that a shot, and then um, set sights on Twisted Branch after that. Uh, so, kind of a, a wide variety of races again. Going to try to not race quite as much and have a little more time for just fun stuff and training. Um, and in terms of an actual plan for all of this, I don't know, trying to, I think last year was about the max in terms of time spent training that I'm capable of, 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 uh, doing. It might've been maybe a little more that I should put into running as opposed to other parts of life. So I guess it's gotta be a focus on quality over quantity and just trying to be if I don't have a specific training plan, just trying to be really deliberate about what to get out of every single run. Yeah, I think um, mountain running will be interesting because, as, as you know, that's a um, little bit slower, a little bit more work, a little bit more time intensive, but the bang for your buck is is pretty huge there. And then... Um, the the piece that is sort of interesting to me is um, racing less. Uh, you know, it's fun to be at these races, and I think a lot of times, like, hey, like the DC Marathon, I don't think either one of us had road marathon on our list of goals in 2016, yet, yet here we both are running a road marathon. Yeah, um, I might end up having lied about racing less, we'll, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> it'll probably <laughs> yeah. be the same order of magnitude as last year. It was, I don't know, somewhere around a dozen races last year. Um, hey, we could, but, we could be like, um, we could be like Prem and Doug DeWeaver and count, <laughs> count our races in the fifties. 
Oh yeah, yeah, that's a whole different level. But I don't know. Like, I, I mainly I just want to make sure there's enough time to spend, like, just doing fun stuff. You know, I, I made a ton of friends last year, uh, running friends and life friends, and uh, and it'd be, you know, some of the best experiences were spent, you know, with those people. And it'd be nice to, you know, not well race with them too, but you know, just go have some adventures as well. And so I want to set aside some time for that. So that's mm-hmm. and- probably going to be the main main way to keep me out of racing is to to do that or volunteer or do other things um so probably at least as much time spent at races just not necessarily uh with a bib on all right (laughs) not slinking back into the shadows but perhaps not lining up at the start line gotcha well that sounds it sounds like you got a, a nice year carved out it sounds like um if it's anything like 2015 it's gonna be uh Fun adventures. So, uh, what else? Anything good? Uh, I don't know. All right. Well, we didn't talk about. Um, we made we made a point not to talk about any gear. We made a point not to talk about any watches, any um, actual metrics. We we didn't talk about any computer programming. Um, we, we kept all that stuff, you know, on the cutting room floor. So, um, I I feel like we should go into a whole bunch of that now, you know, but, but we're already at 90 minutes. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm willing to talk that stuff to the degree that I can, but, uh, it's been a pretty solid segment. We could, well, one of the things I actually, now that I mentioned the computer programming, one of the things I do want to bring up, because I know you won't bring it up, is you have a um, a pretty cool um, iOS app that you built for people that want to get into some good habits or maybe get out of some bad habits. Um, you made an, an app called Daily, right, which is simple app has a calendar you pick an activity you push the button to say whether or not you did that activity on that day right yeah um yeah daily with d-a-y-l-y uh chose the archaic spelling to to give it some personality but yeah so i i I did that because i wanted some way to have some sort of accountability for cross-training because i stink at cross-training i never do it consistently and i need to do it um and so I thought, I don't want to go to all the trouble of you know, a more complicated app that you know asks you what you did, how long you spent doing it, all that. You know, that's great for people that want to focus on it. But I just want to basically like put an X on a calendar and and see a bunch of X's and, and see you know are you being consistent or not. So that's what the app's about. And so I use it for that and and use it for. You can set up a, a different categories for whatever you want, uh, for, I don't know, flossing or for the days that I have a tight Achilles tendon or um, doing the cat litter, you know, whatever. They're reminders to be consistent or build a habit or stop a habit or just observe stuff that's going on in your life. Yeah, I, I think I mentioned to you the first two that I did was um, – yoga and change the cat letter. <laughs> Those are the first two I created. And then the then eventually I got to um where I created one of um 
meditating and because I want to try to meditate more. And I said, well, I should be more mindful of how often I'm meditating. And then I realized how ridiculous that statement was. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so I, now my, now my issue is remembering to actually open it up and use it. But it's, um, I like it because it's, it's just, it's really cool. It's simple. And I think the idea, the thing I like about it is just like you said, it's not, cumbersome and it's not complicated so like the ones that I have right now I think I have uh, seven minutes which is the seven minute core workout um, I have stretching and then I have uh, changed cat litter and those are those are the three that I have now I did have a running one on there but I realized I do more than enough of uh, keeping track of my running it's it's the other things I need to keep track of as you mentioned that's cool yeah. Um, you know, it was kind of a, a scratch and itch sort of thing. And just was like, yeah, I'm building this thing, might as well sell it. But um, yeah. yeah, thanks for the plug. It's, it's, uh, it's a fun thing to work on. So. Yeah, well, I just think it's neat because I you talked about, um, you know, balancing time and, and, you know, putting how much you're going to put into life. And, and somewhere while you are managing to do all of that, I mean, we haven't even touched, uh, like, this is the thing you, we've talked only strictly about running. We haven't talked about you being a member of the trails rock board and creating the trails rock app and now creating the daily app. I mean, you're cramming a lot of this stuff in that, that we haven't even touched on. We talked about racing, you know, for, 2015 so um obviously you're gonna have to come in um some point in 2016 and talk about how you're balancing all these um really cool other initiatives that deal in and around running but actually when you're not moving yeah that would be good um that'll be motivation to not drop the ball on this stuff for the next time we talk (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so we'll so we'll expect a version 2.0 of the Trails Rock app. We we will <laughs> we will expect some big moves and shakes in the Trails Rock board, and uh, we'll also expect you to continue your uh, training quite aggressively. So you know, uh, we'll just set all your 2016 goals for you right here. Okay, done. <laughs> done. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm pretty excited to see what's in store for Mike in 2016. Um, As I mentioned uh, at the end there, Mike is extremely instrumental in helping the Rochester running scene tick in the way that it does. Um, He's always, you know, he's a little bit behind the scenes, as he mentions. Um, But his Trails Rock app is extremely useful for finding and navigating the local trail system. Um, How can you beat detailed real-time mapping for all of our favorite trails for free. Uh, He's also a member of the Trails Rock Board, our local and pretty influential trail group. Uh, As he mentions, and as I suspect is true with most of us, um, mastering that balance is key. You know, he's got all these external running things and internal running things and then, you know, work and life, um, all that. Uh, luckily, he has his wife, Valerie, to uh, keep him in line. And by that, I mean to make him train when he's trying to slack off. Okay, uh, let's let's wrap her up here. Um, you can find the show notes for this podcast at http www.runninginsideoutpodcast.com slash podcast slash zero 
two, one. Um, if you are so in love with this show that you want to tell the world, um, feel free to do so. You know, tell your friends. They won't laugh at you. And uh, also, a, you know, brief re- review on iTunes would go miles towards that goal. See what I did there? M- miles. Like that? Yeah. Uh, I'd like to give yet another thanks to our Patreon supporters who are consistently adding to the financial backing of the podcast. Um, thanks to Matt Bertrand, Jeff Green, Mike Vallone, Ron Hirkins Jr., Anonymous, and Mike Mertzak. Yep. He is not only a whiz-bang guest, app developer, and stand-up guy, but also a Patreon. The guy just keeps on giving. Uh, seriously, though, thanks to the Patreons for putting the coins in the machine that keep the show going. We've got lots of big plans for this year, and that's uh, essential. Um, if you'd like to become a Patreon or just find out what it's all about, check out the support the show link on the podcast page. There you'll find all sorts of words. Um, some of those words describe what a Patreon is, and there's even a link to the Patreon page. Um, most importantly though, thank you. Yeah, you, you that's listening. Thank you for listening and thank you for running. This show couldn't exist without runners and listeners who enjoy hearing them. Um, and with that, oh, no, one last thing. I would like to give a special acknowledgement to a recent guest of the show, uh, Brittany Broderick, who was on episode 19. Um, she was just recently featured in Fitness Edge Media's magazine for, um, coach of the month. And, uh, I won't say that we're completely responsible for her rise to stardom, I'll just say uh, you heard her here first, folks. Um, but uh, honestly, um, Brittany uh, does a lot of great work and it well-deserved uh, recogni- recognition and acknowledgement. So props to her and props to Fitness Edge Media for featuring her. Okay, and with that, uh, be thankful for what you've been given, be proud of what you've achieved, and let go of what you've lost. See you out there. <laughs>